Pornography is a blight on the American landscape, destroying families, ruining relationships, and wrecking havoc in the spiritual and emotional lives of thousands of men and women. Today, we'll explore the scope of the problem and some practical solutions with our special guest, Catholic psychotherapist, Dr. Peter Kleponis. I'm Father Michael Scanlon, Chancellor of Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, and you're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. talking about the pornography epidemic. We have our regular panelists here, Dr. Regis Martin, professor of systematic theology here at Franciscan University, and Dr. Scott Hahn, professor of scriptural theology here at the university. And our special guest, Dr. Peter Kleponis, and he's a licensed clinical therapist, assistant director, of Comprehensive Counseling Services in West Conshohocken, Pennsylvania, near Philadelphia. His areas of specialization include marriage and family therapy, pastoral counseling, men's issues, resolving excessive anger, and pornography addiction recovery. That's quite an agenda. <laughs> You've spoken at numerous Catholic conferences, including a workshop for all the priests of the Archdiocese of New York, on the dangers of pornography. So welcome, welcome, Peter. Welcome to a university where this is an issue that every college, indeed, <laughs> high school has to deal with. Um, so let's start <coughs> with the extent of all that. You call pornography an epidemic. Yes. Why? Well, it's pervasive throughout our whole society. We see it everywhere. You know, we're all aware of the internet. But we see it in magazines, we see it in uh, uh, the catalogs that come into our homes, the magazines, television, cable, video games, uh, even in clothing. We see it everywhere. It's pervasive throughout our society. And it's a big industry? Huge industry. It's, it's a $100 billion industry worldwide. $13 billion of that comes from the United States. So you can see, and you know, it, it makes more than all the top technology firms combined. It's a huge money maker. Wait a minute, you say that again. That's, okay. It makes more than? Than the top technology firms together. We're talking Microsoft, eBay, Google, all of them combined. That's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. You say $100 billion? $100 billion in Wow. We're responsible for how much of that? $13 billion of that. I see. Yeah. So we're among the world's principal polluters. Exactly, yeah. exactly. We, we produce it and consume it. And it's an addiction as well? <coughs> yes, yes. Which means people are compulsively going towards it? They're compulsively going to it, yes. Um, you know, we, it's interesting, we now have the neuroscience that shows it, that when a man looks at an erotic image, it registers in his brain. Uh, I, I always tell people, you know, men and women are wired differently. Yeah. Very much so. Men are wired to be visually stimulated. So when a man sees an erotic image, he looks at it, it registers, all right? There's a chemical reaction that goes on in his brain. Dopamine is released. And then with that, there's a sense of excitement. And of course, the brain likes it, all right? 
the reaction to this is sexual arousal and so forth, and so it's easy to become addicted to this. The, it's the same chemical reaction and response that's similar to a narcotic such as cocaine or heroin. Um, in fact, wow. we now have the neuroscience. We have brain scans that show us this is what happens. And of course, the brain likes it and wants more. Oh my, just one more and then we <laughs> gotta... How do you yeah. define pornography? You know, where, what's the limits in that kind of thing? Well, it, it's kind of hard. You know, one politician once said, I, I, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. Yeah. All right. And I, I use two definitions. So the first one I use is my own clinical definition. And that's any image that a person, uh, that leads a person to use another person for their own sexual pleasure. Uh -huh. Any image. It doesn't have to be an unclothed person. Uh, it can be, you know, a day at the beach all the young women in bikinis, that could be pornographic. Anything that a man uses, you know, for their own sexual pleasure, because they're using another person. But this is for sexual pleasure, so not every look no, is no. pornographic. Not okay. every look, but when they start looking and using it for their own yeah. sexual pleasure, yeah. then it becomes pornographic. Yeah. The other definition that I use is from the Catechism of the Catholic <coughs> Church. All right, and uh, I, I have to read that to you because it is a long one here. It's Pornography consists of removing real or simulated sexual acts from the intimacy of the partners in order to display them deliberately to third parties. It offends against chastity because it perverts the conjugal act, the intimate giving of spouses to each other. It does grave injury to the dignity of its participants since each one becomes an object of base pleasure and illicit profit for others. It immerses all who are involved in the illusion of a fantasy world. It is a grave offense. Civil authorities should prevent the production and distribution of pornographic materials. Yeah. Right. I, I love this wow. definition because it covers everything. Yeah. It talks about the profit. It talks about the danger to society. It talks about what civil authorities should do. It covers everything. And, and it, it identifies, I, I think, the, uh, the intrinsic evil. Exactly. Of, of pornography because it's an abstraction. Exactly. You take what is whole, entire, and you isolate it. You zero in on a part. Exactly. And a person is not a part, but you've reduced them to no. that part no. so that you can use and consume uh, and uh, distort. Exactly, offer base pleasure, yes. Technology has certainly transformed this, you know, in a way that nobody could have foreseen oh, yeah. a century or half a century ago. But a century ago, I mean, these sorts of actions were known as the sin of voyeurism, mm -hmm. you know, on the yeah. person's part who is looking and exhibitionism on the person's part who is kind of offering this particular good. And I, and I think we have to recognize that the Catholic moral tradition has seen this disorder as something that is uh, quite pervasive down through the ages. Now technology has taken it to a whole new level. I remember a quarter of a century ago when my father-in-law, Dr. Jerry Kirk, was working with Cardinal Bernadine and others in the religious alliance against pornography. You know, Reagan was president, the attorney general was Ed Meese, oh, yes. the Meese report was actually mm -hmm. making headway, mm -hmm. you know, they had, they had legal standards that were established by communities, mm -hmm. the Supreme Court upheld them, you know, yeah. and then all of a sudden the internet struck. Exactly. And you know, just on the cusp of a victory or a series of victories, you know, suddenly we were awash in the worst stuff that you couldn't even necessarily find in some of the worst cities, you know. Exactly. Now you could find it in the living room. Uh, wow. It really is an epidemic. Yeah. And now everybody can become a peeping Tom, right? Exactly. Or, or a peeping uh, Tanya, mm -hmm. right? Because it, it's yeah. also uh, corrupting well, first, women. Mm -hmm. Yeah. First define it, and then let's talk about 
men and women men and doing women. All right. Well, when it comes to men and women, both men and women can become addicted, but it's very different. Uh, first of all, when it comes to the pornography that we're used to seeing, the, the visual images, that's mainly men, all right? You know, 83% uh, um, uh, of pornography addicts viewing pornography images are men. The other 17% are women. Now, with the women, it's very different because for them, it's not necessarily the images. It's things like chat rooms where they can go in, and of course in a chat room, you can be anybody you want, anybody you want. You, know, you create this fake persona, and they can engage then in a relationship, this erotic sexual a relationship with a man through the internet, through these chat rooms. And that's where they become addicted because women are more relationally oriented. They're looking for the relationship. You know, this is why women like romance novels, because they can put themselves in there in that relationship. And this is what they can become addicted to, that sexual erotic relationship. Wow. And, and does it also trigger the same dopamine in, in women? It does. Uh -huh. It does trigger the same dopamine. And not, uh -huh. Maybe not as strong as in men, I see. but yeah. it does trigger that, yes. You know, a quarter of a century ago, it was less than 3% of those uh, viewing pornography were women. Yeah. And, and you know, when you mentioned 17%, mm -hmm. uh, when you look at certain age brackets, it gets as high as 35%. It was something, again, that was just unforeseen. I mean, hitherto, nobody saw this one coming. Exactly. But women, younger women especially, are really kind of getting their own bearings, no longer from their fathers necessarily, but from these images. And it seems to curiosity plays a big part in this. I've got my little computer and I've got my internet. Let's just see. Let's yeah. just yeah. see what's out there. And some of the uh, otherwise... Mm -hmm. Uh, very chaste, particularly women, will just in curiosity end up. Well, it's interesting. This it. shows how the internet has affected it because pe a lot of people believe that uh, pornography addiction with men, it, of course, it's always been around, but it really got bad once the internet came out. It actually predates the internet. Where I see that it starts, it goes back to the early 1980s when everybody was getting VCRs. All right. All right. And so in, in every community, you had your video rental store. Yep. And in the back was the adult section. Mm. Yeah. And what happened was all of a sudden, the porn shops that were in the seedy part of town or by the airport or whatever, finally mm. came into everybody's community. Yeah. And this yeah. is where men started looking at it. So men sort of got really a jump start on this, on this addiction through the videotapes. Right. And then the DVDs, and then they latched onto yeah. the internet. Yeah. Now with women, these chat rooms, they only came about with the internet. So that's why, you know, again, you go back to that 3%, and no. it's up to 17, and I, I can see it actually getting wow. worse than that. Can, can I ask you a question about the dopamine? Because I, yeah. I don't really know what that is. If, if you were to see Niagara Falls or uh -huh. the Grand Canyon, mm -hmm. would that also catalyze mm -hmm. the same chemical? Uh, not necessarily, not necessarily, because it, it's, it depends on how we're stimulated, oh. you know, what registers in the brain. Yep. You know, in dopamine, it's a neurotransmitter, and what it does is it creates a sense of excitement, I see. of euphoria yep. in the brain. Uh, and we see this in, uh, um, you can see it in the pornography, but you can see it in other areas too. You know, there are people out there who are thrill seekers, those people who like to go skydiving or bungee jumping or, uh, you know, rock climbing or, you know, those really dangerous thrill-seeking uh, types of activities that yeah. also creates the same type of rush yeah. in the brain. This sort of recognition is widespread, not only in the pornography industry, but also in, uh, I, I hesitate to say this, but in abuse situations too, because uh, 
when you look at MAMBLA and other associations that look upon children as something you can prey on, they recognize that if you can get them early to have these experiences, you can get them hooked in a way that they themselves will never understand. Exactly. Uh, it, we, we really are vulnerable in ways that we're not and, fully conscious and of. And how do, therefore, <coughs> how early and how seriously does pornography affect youth and mm -hmm. children growing up? Right. Well, we still have to do more research on that. We know that right now the average age that when a child first experiences pornography is around 11. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the largest consumers wow. of internet pornography are teenagers. Yeah. Teenagers are huge consumers of it. And what's interesting is people that were always worried about the home computer, you know, we have to monitor the computer at home, put it in a public area. The home computer is no longer the culprit. Nowadays, it's the cell phone. Yeah. Because parents are getting cell phones on these family plans so that everyone in the family gets a cell phone, but as part of the package, each cell phone has the internet, they have texting, they have email, they have everything, and this is where the teens are looking at pornography. Well, I've got to say that again, because for <coughs> the older population, we'd never think of that right, little right. phone as being the source yeah. oh, having that kind of, of lethal power what what, what yeah. an irony it is because you, you privatize mm -hmm. these pleasures but the fallout mm -hmm. is public the results uh, the disintegration it of is. a society the destruction of marriage the family that's it all is. public it is public it is and it's having devastating effects on teenagers on young people you know, young people, they're, they're so, especially young men, they're so hooked on this pornography and basically just using these women on the screen for their own pleasure yeah. that when they decide they want to date and get married, they don't know how to relate to women. They don't yeah. know how to have a, a healthy relationship because they, they come to realize, wow, I'm not just dealing with an image anymore, I'm dealing with a person. Yeah. And this is wow. totally different. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it, it's not only curiosity, I think you've pointed out too in some of the things that I've read from you, is that it's insecurity, it's loneliness, it's sadness, mm -hmm. it's fear and anxiety, and you know, our culture doesn't do much to kind of get rid of that in young people. No. Uh, yeah. Because with the breakdown of the family, you don't have a kind of alternative support system for moral formation right. supplied anywhere, exactly. practically speaking, in exactly. the church. There's no really line that people can recognize when it's gone too far. Mm -hmm. And right. because of that, then it's uh, available to youth, even in very Christian families. Exactly, exactly. And a lot of this I see is sort of the breakdown of fatherhood yeah. in our country. You know, we have lots of, you know, almost half of our kids growing up without fathers. And, you know, there's a, a famous researcher, Greg Popino, he wrote about fathers. And he said, in societies, it's the women who set the moral standards but it's the men who enforce it. Right. And yeah. without these fathers to enforce, you know, you ask any mother out there, what do they think of pornography? They hate it. Yeah. But where are the fathers there that are going to enforce this yeah, they're watching their the stuff. Sons. Right. Yeah. They're yeah. stuffing themselves. They're, they're addicted too. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so a boy will grow up thinking, well, that's, you know, my mother's ideals, mm -hmm. you know. Right. Uh, yeah. But it becomes law when there's a father who is really present, not just simply as the enforcer, as an affirmer as well, as somebody who hopefully, you know, embodies and exemplifies the kinds of virtues that he's exactly. But I mean, when you think about it, what could be less manly than watching pornography? Exactly. I mean, a fantasy world, cyber exactly. porn, it's not real. Exactly, you know, where's the responsibility? Where's the relationship? Yeah. It's not there. I, I, you, also, you, you mentioned insecurity and loneliness, but isn't there also a certain element of power that if I control these images, I, I master the universe, I'm, I'm manipulating others, and I can subject others uh, to my, uh, to my uh, will. Yeah. Exactly, it's, it's a fantasy world, and the man who was viewing it is in charge. He's the king of the universe, yeah. exactly. Well, 
when we come back, we want to talk about the church teaching on all this and what is the pathway of freedom and chastity. Stay with us. We do a grassroots effort here called Red Light Ministry. And what it is is a bunch of men and I, we go down to an adult nightclub and we pray outside of it. And we pray out there while some women will stay back here and do intercessory prayer. And we pray for all of us, for all the men and women in the club, and then just for the entire culture so that we all can learn the true meaning of sexuality. We see that pornography is a very pervasive issue within our culture. Um, we seek to uphold the goods of marriage, the family, and sexual integrity. And pornography affects the marriage from drawing man and wife apart from one another. It affects the family from taking the f man out of his proper role as a father. And it affects sexual integrity because while viewing pornography, men can't see their own dignity or see the dignity of women around them. This university is different because um, not only, it's going to sound cliche, but that academically challenging, passionately Catholic, like it's not a lie. It's, it's an it's a academically prestigious school, but it has this Catholic environment that is unlike anything else I've ever seen or experienced firsthand. Priests are very available um, to hear confessions and just spiritual direction, you know, do the sacraments. Franciscan University is academically challenging and passionately Catholic. talking about the pornography epidemic with Dr. Peter Kleponis, an expert in this area, not by using it, but by studying <laughs> and teaching about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, Peter, uh, we want to talk now about the church's teaching and attitude towards in this serious area, this epidemic. Mm -hmm. And um, we really need to know it because you've got parents <coughs> and teachers everywhere dealing with this. How do they teach it. Okay. Well, first of all, I mean, the church does see it as a grave sin. It is a grave sin, mortal sin, because you are, again, you're using another person. You know, Pope John Paul II wrote that the opposite of love is not hate, it's use. You're yeah. using somebody. You know, when a person is looking at pornography, they're not thinking that that's a person, that's somebody's daughter or somebody's sister or whatever. They're just thinking, um, you know, this is for my pleasure. And the church says, this is wrong. It's wrong to use another human being. And this is what we need to teach our kids. We need to teach so them. So it's a serious offense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the conditions for mortal or serious sin. Okay. Exactly, exactly. So, and I think, I think our theologians can speak more on the churches. <laughs> but I, I mean, I can say something about the, the myth of two consenting adults mm -hmm. uh, engaging in this, that it's somehow morally innocent. I mean, that, that's complete balderdash. It's yeah. exploitative. And you have a whole train wreck mm -hmm. of pathologies from that. Prostitution, uh, trafficking, exactly. uh, especially young children. Mm -hmm. it, it's the death of innocence. It is. It is. And it's a lie. Yeah, it's, it's more than the death of innocence. It really is the desecration of something that is good, yeah. and holy, right. and sacred. Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't just take it back to point zero. Yeah. I mean, it really plunges into deep darkness. Yeah. You know, uh, mortal sin, it's helpful to remember, is a kind of spiritual suicide because right. what we're snuffing out is divine life within our soul. Yeah. You know, that's not less of a death than a bullet to the brain. It's, right. it's much more right. of a death. Uh, but we also have to recognize that the people who are involved in the industry are part of a kind of murderous plot because, you know, those people are using, abusing freedoms, free speech rights and wow. this sort of thing to really cast a spell that renders people not only in a state of mortal sin, but 
naturally, humanly speaking, almost incapable of pulling themselves out of it right. by themselves. Exactly. They need support. I know we're going to talk about this later, but support <clears throat> groups, sacraments, saints, the Blessed Virgin Mary, you know, oh, yeah. these are not just sort of like add-ons. These are absolutely essential. Right. So what we need now is a, what's a Catholic view of a healthy sexuality mm -hmm. so that we can have that firmly in place mm -hmm. and then compare the exactly. deviations. Well, the, the difference is that the Catholic view of sexuality is self-giving. It's all about the giving, the giving of the spouse. You know, it's, it's a holy view. Uh, you know, with, with the pornographic view of sexuality, it's all about me, what I can get out of the other person. The Catholic view is what can I give? You know, within the bonds of holy matrimony, within the bonds of a sacrament. You know, this is what, to me, this is what makes sex holy because it's within the bonds of a sacrament. You know, here I am with my wife. It's about a giving. Yeah. It's open to new life. Yeah. All right. A uh, pornographic view of sex is not open to new life right. because it is naturally selfish. Yeah. This is a generous giving. You put your finger on something here that's really important. You know, when, when Pope Paul VI spoke in Humanae Vitae, about contraception. He wasn't just isolating that fact. He was really looking at the mystery of human sexuality yeah. and showing how in marriage this has dual meanings, the unitive and the procreative, exactly. and that these are intrinsic to the gift of human sexuality as God designed it. Man didn't make this up and so he can't kind of, you know, fit it to other contrivances. The unitive and the procreative are completely missing in pornography. There's nothing of a union and there is nothing open to life as such. And when you put these two together, it's powerful. You know, after 30 years of marriage, I can attest to that. Yeah. But when you pull these things apart, you don't end up with one or the other. You end up with neither. Yeah. Neither. You know, and, and what has happened, you talk about the, the whole contraceptive mentality. Yeah. Contraceptive as receptives have really turned sex into a recreational activity. Right. Yeah. That's all it is. And this is where people get away with the idea of, well, it's two consenting adults. Right. Well, that still right. doesn't make it yeah. right. You know, we know fornication is between two consenting adults. That's still wrong. Right. It, it, it's not just the mentality of not wanting life mm -hmm. when we speak of the contraceptive ethic. It's also a mentality of not wanting love. Exactly. I don't want to express love. I want pleasure. I want to plunder your body. I don't want to promote the best good of exactly. this beloved being. I, I th it, there's something infinitely sad about it, especially as it applies to women. Yeah. A, because they're exploited, mm -hmm. but also even when they traffic in this stuff, the mm -hmm. chat rooms, they're mm -hmm. looking for love. Exactly. They're looking for a relationship. Mm -hmm. And instead, they, they find ashes, death. They do. They really do. And they do with, for a moment, the <coughs> underlying premise that uh, seems to be so prevalent in the pornogra pornographic industry that continence is impossible, chastity is just repressing mm -hmm. and withdrawing from life, mm -hmm. and you have to act out your desires to know who you are and yeah. mature. Yeah. How do okay. we... Well, I'll tell you, I, 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 I hear a lot of that and I see a lot of that in, in, the, in the industry. And the one thing that fuels that is narcissism. Yeah. The idea that I have needs, I have wants, I should have the right to express them and meet them any way I need to. And with this mentality, this thought, which has permeated our society, the whole idea of, like I say, continence and chastity flies out the window mm. because that would be denying myself yeah. whatever I want to do. So there's this false sense of freedom that comes from that, but it isn't. It's actually, it actually imprisons them. Yeah, here again, the narcissist mm -hmm. is one who ends up, you know, focusing on himself and yet in the very process, shriveling, exactly. you know, yeah. diminishing his own personhood, you know. And yet at the same time, 
it, it, it creates and it fosters and it reinforces predatory behavior. Exactly. Because you really see yourself as the hunter, you know, and everybody else as the prey. Yeah. And, and, and right. I want to I mention something because, you know, it is so true. And I have a daughter, and so I feel the force of what you're saying in terms of the exploitative quality with respect yeah. to women. But this is a two-way highway, you know. Uh, narcissism is not just for men. It's for women and for men. Oh, yeah. And I, I, would, I would also suggest that predatory behavior is also something that is mutual. And so uh, e even if women start out looking for relationships more, they mm -hmm. end up often kind of forming, you know, or at least being open to the possibility of predatory behavior, narcissistic patterns. Right. And, and so I would say pornography is sort of like the fuel that really makes this engine thing, you know, exactly. run. Uh, exactly. So how did, how did this switch happen? Uh, when I was young, we thought pornography was only a male thing. You know, I mean, you never, you didn't hear the girls yeah. looking well, well, you had at to the go Esquire calendar, yeah. which was right. big in those days. Mm. But uh, what shifted it, that we can tell, so that it was embraceable now of the female sex mm. as well as the male? Well, the pill, for one thing, <laughs> as you said, contraceptive behavior, the sexual evolution of the sure. 60s, yeah. no yeah. doubt, the breakdown of the family that follows with that, yeah. and yeah. just really treating sex as though it is nothing but a private right between yeah. consenting adults. I mean, that's the legal and social aftermath. And, you know, and the flowering of a particular technology yeah. that made all of this so easy. I mean, wow. in the old days, you'd have to go to the other side of town, mm -hmm. one of those squalid little stores, and they yeah. would stuff your porn in a brown paper yeah. sack, yeah. and you felt ashamed. There was something furtive and, but, and dishonorable about that. But I'll tell you with women, yeah. you know, what I found that really fuels a lot of the narcissism and the, you know, the pornography use in women is anger. Uh. They see how they've been abused. They see how they have been exploited, yeah. and they're angry. Yeah. They're very angry, and they're basically saying, well, the heck with men. You know, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go and get what's mine. Uh -huh. And they use their sex for power oh, in a way sad. that you usually associate with men. Wow. I mean, this has come out in interviews with people who have been in the industry for years. That's why it really is a kind of murder-suicide pact, yeah. you know, like, that people are killing others and yet they're, they're killing themselves in the so process. What about, is there anything left to custody of the eyes and, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the speech? Yeah. I mean, Just that was, that used to be taught so yeah. strongly, at least in the Catholic schools, and I'm sure we, in the Protestants. We've lost that. You know, I'm, 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 I'm going to admit my age. I'm 43. I was one of the first generations post-Vatican II to grow yeah. up in the post-Vatican II world. I can tell you, in none of my religious education classes did we ever talk about that. Wow. I, you know, it wasn't wow. until I got, I think, to college that I, I first heard the term. The custody of the eyes. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I think this is pervasive. I think a lot of times conservative Catholics in the last 40 years have found themselves in primarily in a, in a state of reaction against bad doctrine, against bad politics, about yeah. bad laws. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes the best defense is a good offense. And you got to go back, calm down, pray, and really reappropriate the things that you need to be fortified in virtue. You know, custody of the eyes ought to be something that we're talking more about, even if it doesn't have the zing, yeah, exactly. you know, that political action does. Yeah. You know, uh, Romano Guardini, in a wonderful collection of essays on the virtues, identifies recollection as a virtue that had really fallen out of fashion. Mm -hmm. And custody of the eyes is of a piece with that. Mm -hmm. And it's the opposite of self-absorption. You, you ideally center yourself 
in Christ and become recollected. You see yourself as Christ sees you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the opposite of solipsism. Yeah, you need some kind of discernment. You know, a man who is very thirsty has to discern whether what he's about to drink is salt water, you know, because it's not going to quench his thirst, it's going to burn him up. Likewise, I would say even more than salt water, pornography is sheer poison, you know. Exactly. It, it's not fast food, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, it really is poison. That's an excellent point, you know, that uh, you may have the thirst for something, but if you take pornography to drink it, you're in much worse shape That's right, exactly. than you were before exactly. you were seeking and looking for something. And people who are addicted know that and will tell you right, so. Right. And yet it oh. doesn't. To diagnose an illness is not the same as to cure it. Oh, the, the, the best people to fight against it are the people who are addicted themselves because right. they know. Like they know any, any, any drug addict will tell you, don't do drugs, it'll kill you. Yeah, right. they'll tell you that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, how about John Paul II's theology of the body? I mean, that was made such an impact. I mean, mm -hmm. we keep having programs here on campus mm -hmm. about the theology of the body because it had such a freshness and impact. Yeah. Yeah. Explain how that impacted uh, this whole pornography area. Well, I think it's had a tremendous impact on the fight against pornography because it talks about the human person. How did God create us? How did God create us to be in relationship with one another? How did God create us to want to respect one another, to truly love another person, to truly see the beauty in another person? Yeah. And you cannot see that with pornography because, as you said, you separate the person. Right, yeah. You know, to to So, in, in, in a way, it doesn't show enough. I mean, if, if you exactly. engage in smut, you're not really seeing the otherness exactly. of the other. Exactly. You've just reduced her or him to their body parts. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I think it was Bishop Loverdi wrote about that. He says, and not that it shows enough, it, does, it doesn't show enough of it's the person. It's not revealing. It yeah. doesn't reveal yeah. enough. C.S. Lewis made that point, too, that when a man gives in to lust, he's not wanting too much, he's settling for too little. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is even truer, I think, in mm. pornography, where you have that voyeuristic and exhibitionistic distance, you know. It, it's not just up on a stage, you know, it's a screen. It's something that might have been filmed 10 years ago, you know, but, but you'll never meet the wh person. Why is it so hard to demonstrate that, though, in, in the popular culture? I mean, Mrs. Obama is exercised about obesity, and mm -hmm. she's cranking up a national campaign to get people to stop eating so many Big Macs. Yeah. You know, too much food leads to death. Well, porn mm -hmm. leads to death, yeah. the well, death of the soul. Well, I mean, it, it goes back to the money issue. Yeah. You know, uh, so many of these pornographers are supporting politicians. You know, it's, you know, you look at the entertainment industry, you know, the same large entertainment corporations that run, uh, you know, uh, cable channels with family programming are also running the cable channels with pornography. It's so pervasive and it's such a big money maker that few people want to speak up about it. I, I think wow. it's also something else that's shared by liberals and conservatives, and that is a, a mutual commitment to individualism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's embedded in American culture and in Western thought that predates America. A, a libertarian fixation oh. on freedom. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. a freedom that is an end in itself rather than a means to justice. Yeah. Well, yeah. when we come back, we want to then talk about solutions. What do you do pastorally? How do you reach out and make a difference here? Stay with us. Well, it seems as though in our sex in the city sort of culture and society that women are oftentimes objectifying not only themselves but uh, other women and men as well. And it's important for women to realize that uh, not only are they harming themselves, but they're also harming other women in doing this. And it's important for them to 
uh, find a way of bringing out the true beauty and dignity of the human person. I'm in a men's household at Franciscan University called Warriors of Light, and one of our pillars or charisms is restoring the practice of true chivalry in modern society. And how we do that is by treating women as people that are truly worthy of respect, not as objects. I came here to Franciscan not only to grow in my academics, but also to grow in my faith and to become really what God wanted me to become. I walk into Mass sometimes and I'm flabbergasted about the crowds that attend even daily Masses. It's just so refreshing to see so many young people on fire with God and excited to be at Mass, excited to celebrate the Eucharist. Franciscan University of Steubenville is academically challenging and passionately Catholic. Explore the treasures of your Catholic heritage on a Franciscan University pilgrimage. Led by inspiring spiritual directors, you'll walk in the footsteps of saints and martyrs in the Holy Land, Poland, France, and Italy. And you'll deepen your love for Jesus Christ through daily mass, confession, prayer, and the joy of Christian fellowship. Let Franciscan University lead you on a pilgrimage of faith. Find out more at franciscan.edu pilgrimages. here at Franciscan University, surrounded by our students working the equipment with our regular panelists, and we're talking about the pornography epidemic. And indeed, Dr. Peter Kleponis has made a specialization out of this. He has many other titles as a, a assistant director of comprehensive counseling services who specializes in marriage and family therapy, but today we're talking about that epidemic, that mm -hmm. disease, pornography. And Peter, we were getting close to it in the last segment, but what we want to do is focus on what solutions we can have, what kind of pastoral or any solutions that can break through, mm -hmm. because I certainly know enough men and women my age who are just overwhelmed with seeing this problem in their children, grandchildren, nephews, nieces, and the rest. Yeah. So launch us into this. Maybe you make reference to how you've handled this with the uh, priests of the Archdiocese of New York, where you've recently had them all together to instruct them. <laughs> yeah. So if whatever you told them, we want to learn too. Well, well, really, first of all, you know, uh, you know, pastorally, and this isn't simply for priests and religious, it's for parents, it's for teachers, everybody. Uh, first of all, you, you have to understand uh, pornography addiction, the dangers of it, the scope of pornography in America, as I've talked about, you know, how big of an industry it is. You need to know how serious of a problem it is. Yeah. Then you need to know what are the resources available to help people, what are the resources in your community? Where are you know, therapists, counselors, support groups? What literature is out yeah. there that you can provide that's going to help people on this? This is what we did uh, with the Archdiocese of New York. We gave them out packets of information that they could use. We actually created cards, business, little business cards that could be given out in the confessional. And on the back of the card was uh, a website for uh, resources that men could go to ah. to find help in that. Uh, you know, we gave them lists of books and websites and support groups that they could refer men to. This is what we need to do in all of our communities yes. to know where to send these men to be able to say, look, you have a problem. This is a serious problem. This could be an addiction. 
and you need to get help because if not, it's going to take over your whole life. It can ruin your marriage, your family, your career, everything. You need help. Here's the help you can get. You and just distinguish between the problem mm -hmm. and the addiction. Yeah. You know, I think it's helpful to, to do that because not everybody who faces the problem mm -hmm. is addicted, but yet there's this obsessive compulsive bridge mm -hmm. that leads from the problem to the addiction. Can you address that briefly? Okay. Well, again, the difference between the problem and the addiction. A person with a problem may find themselves looking at pornography occasionally. Uh, it's not an everyday thing. They're not binging, so you speak, but maybe a few times a month they just find themselves kind of wandering onto these sites. Um, they're not thinking about it. They're not... Uh, getting into the hardcore porn. So there, there's a pornography problem here, but there's not an addiction. The addiction comes when they start to develop a tolerance. In other words, the soft core isn't, it doesn't do it for them anymore. They go onto the hardcore. This can lead into child porn and all kinds of other things. They find themselves spending more time on the computer, isolating themselves. They find themselves actually you know, looking forward to it. Anytime they're stressed out, they need to go on to the websites. So There's the fact that it becomes daily, daily, that it's a necessity, it's that it's necessity. upgrading or really downgrading and degrading. Exactly, you know. Yeah. Now it can be a daily or there can be binge addicts where they may go a couple of weeks without looking at it, but then they'll go on one day and they'll spend six hours looking wow. at porn. Six hours. Yeah. Hours, that's it. And so never been anywhere. Well, <laughs> you're, 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 you're suggesting that it's not merely passive, no. uh, a spectator sport, because after a while mm -hmm. you have to act out these images and perform? Well, this is what happens. Like, as with any addiction, soon a tolerance to the drug develops. A little isn't enough. You need more and more to get the same no. reaction. So after a while, the types of pornography get more severe. Uh, they get more deviant. And after a while, even that may not be enough. Then the man wants to go and act out, and this is where he may seek out prostitutes, escorts, extramarital oh, affairs. Boy. So you can see how devastating this can be. Yeah. So a person with a porn problem will not get that far. However, oh, I see. all right, it's a very short leap from a problem to an addiction. Yeah. More like a step than so a leap. Step. Yeah. I mean, so the, even if it's just a problem, you have to take it seriously. You just indicated that it doesn't have to be daily. You might go a week or two right. and yeah. yet still have that obsession, that exactly. compulsion, perhaps oh, an addiction. Right. Well, it's sort of like anger issues. I mean, you know, we all struggle with patience, mm -hmm. uh, but we don't shoot people. Uh, yeah. But it may not be much of a leap uh, from this rage, this paroxysm, uh, sort of externalizing itself in wiping out an entire village. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you gave great illustration mm -hmm. on what you told the priests in New York and how they had cards and how they could do things, but what about the priests elsewhere in the country and mm -hmm. other counselors and adults that have to deal with this? What would be the initial steps they might take with those who come to them and mm -hmm. say I'm addicted or I keep watching or I okay. fall okay. into pornography. Well, again, this is where the priests and people in their communities, yeah. they need to find out where are the resources. That's right. You know, you need to do a little research. You can go on the internet, do some Google searches. You know, where are the local Sexaholics Anonymous meetings being held? Where okay. are the therapists, the counselors in your community that can help? Call these people up. Yeah. and say, you know, do you provide these services? Can I refer people to yeah. you? What's, you know, you need to work together in this to help yeah. people. Just as I have a couple friends who I can turn to because 
they've sponsored a number of people in AA. Mm -hmm. I yes. think we also need to identify who are the responsible people who could serve as sponsors for this sort of the sexaholic exactly. a support exactly. group. Yeah. Because you know some people really need professional counseling. Mm -hmm. Others are going to be able to do it with a support group. I think in some cases, if it's not a raging addiction, friendship, accountability, Exactly. I've had I've had men who I've known for years who are husbands and fathers come to me and say, you know, I have this problem. Yeah. Can I call you? Yeah. I also know another guy who came to me and said, look, my teenager became addicted and I didn't know it. Here are the here are the signs you need to look out for. Yeah. And with that, yeah. God helped me to figure out uh, beforehand yeah. what could have become a problem in now, our yeah. home. On the on the parish level, what some yeah. parishes are doing is they're starting men's groups, yeah. small groups for men where they can work on being accountability partners so for each other. Patent almost on AA, Alcoholics right, Anonymous. Almost on AA. And gambling anonymous. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it, so many addictions. Yeah. So the, the initial breakthrough is when you admit you mm -hmm. become self-aware. Yeah. This self is a problem I have. I'm bedeviled by this. Exactly. And you confess it. You confess it. And it's something you, when you, you wake up every morning, you have to admit to yourself, right. this is a problem. Now I it, have a problem. It, the toughest situation I run into is when the wife knows the husband. Mm -hmm is getting addicted. How does she really approach this without uh, jeopardizing their other, the rest of their relationship? Well, I mean, she has to do it very calmly. A lot of times when, when women find that their husbands are looking at pornography, they're very hurt, they're devastated. Sure. They, they see that as serious as an extramarital affair. Right. A rejection. Yeah. yeah. You know, you have the a husband woman. normally doesn't. He doesn't see that. So, but she has to go and she has to make him aware of that. That this is it. This is a problem. This is how. But it's I not do. as though she can't express anger oh. or her feelings. Yeah, well, she can. She can't entitled, I, She can express it, but uh, you know, but just constructively. You know, I, I just don't want her to explode. Or I, right, right. Yeah, because uh, rage, uh, the yeah. guy says this is ridiculous. You yeah. know, I don't feel any different towards you than I always did. I yeah. just. But, but you know, she other. has. She rightly <laughs> feels betrayed she by feels, this yeah. man. Yeah. Because yeah. because what she sees is that he would rather spend time online with these women. Right. Than with her, and, and let's face it, the women in pornography—they're between the ages of 18 and 25. Yeah. Many have had plastic surgery and so forth, so they don't exist in real life. Now, you have a wife who's maybe in her mid-30s; she's had a few children. Yeah. She's very beautiful, but she doesn't look like she's 18 anymore. Yeah. And she's looking at it and she's thinking, "How can I compete with that?" She feels ugly. She feels rejected. Oh, yes. She feels unresigned. Also, also insulted because this guy yeah. is trading her in for someone who's exactly. not real. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad that there isn't accountability. You know. Mm -hmm. With, with alcoholism, you can be pulled over and lose your license. You can lose your job. You can get sick and throw up yeah. and people are going to see that yeah. you're drunk. You know, but this is such a private, hidden, invisible thing. Yeah. It's almost as though it doesn't be manifest itself until it's become all you know, beyond the bounds. Exactly. And so the wife will often be the one who is sort of like the cop who pulls yeah. the alcoholic yeah. over. And what the, you know, the betrayal yeah. though is so much deeper. It is, different. it is. When I, when I work with couples in this situation, it's not simply addictions counseling, it's also yeah. marital therapy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a deep betrayal of trust, and you're right, there does need to be accountability here, you know, at home and with friends, you know, and of course with the internet, uh, I, I recommend um, uh, an accountability uh, software package that you would subscribe to, where you subscribe to this, this service and you give them uh, a, an email address of a trusted friend or relative. And then if anybody goes on even the slightest questionable website on that computer, oh, yeah. that person gets an email oh, report. <laughs> yeah. What Excellent. website they went on, yeah. what, to what day, what time, and how long. Yeah. This way, first of all, you certainly know that Big Brother is watching, so it can deter you from going on. But even if you do fall, that person can call you up and say, hey, are you having a rough day? 
What's yeah. going on? How can yeah. I help? There's support and accountability. And by the way, there are support groups for women mm -hmm. who have husbands who are yeah. addicted. Oh, yeah. Just I like Alcoholics Anonymous has that support yeah. system for spouses of alcoholics. The, yeah. you know, of course, we have Sexaholics Anonymous for the addicts, and then we have Essanon. People have heard of Al-Anon. There's Essanon yeah. for the spouses, for the families to help them deal with it. Yeah. You know? And as I said, you know, we need to monitor their computers, also the cell phones. Yeah. We need the, the, the accountability service I recommend is called CovenantEyes.com. I was, I was at uh, yeah. speaking at Mount St. Mary's Seminary two right. weeks ago. All the seminarians have it. They all have it. They have it yeah. very it's much here great. on campus, yeah. too, it's I hear on that. They need it because there's the support and accountability. How about the church? Can, what can we do to come against this industry in anywhere or this sales? I mean... I'm to glad to, to hear you ask that because, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's so good to have the counseling and the support yeah. groups, that right. kind of thing. But, I mean, I see a comparison between eating disorders for women and pornography for men. You've used the word binging several yeah. times, yeah. binging, purging, where you indulge, and then all of a sudden your raging self-contempt fuels this sort of abusive behavior towards yourself. You know, young ladies and young men... You know, if, if this were something as conspicuous as obesity, you know, it wouldn't just be the president's wife, the first right. lady, and everybody else <laughs> yeah, we'd would all be targeting be this sort of exactly. thing. Yeah. Exactly. But because it has to do with sex and our rights yeah. as a consenting adults, you know, and we have so yeah. many vested interests in that sort of disordered attachment, yeah. you know, but I, I think we do need to wake up and recognize you know, this isn't airbrushed nudity in Playboy anymore. I mean, this is not your garden variety pornography. No, no. This stuff is so socially destructive as to be, you know, disaster. Yeah, we come it against is. heroin. We come against those exactly. serious drugs. We have a kind of preaching on it. We need it in this area with we the do, same. We do. So and I, I'd say, for, first of all, we have yeah. to educate people. We have yeah. to educate That's people on how serious that, that this is a drug. You know, we have to teach our kids about it. We have to educate people on it. But then also on, on a broader level, there, there's a wonderful organization in New, in New York called Morality in the Media. Oh, yeah. And that people yeah. can contact right. and can work with them because they're working to lobby yeah. for stricter laws against pornography okay. to really, you know, it, it's very hard because of First Amendment rights. I don't think we're ever going to get rid of it, but we can still set in laws that's going to protect people from but, it. But, I mean, ultimately it's a matter of grace and the evangelization of yeah. the culture, producing, exactly. creating what John Paul called a civilization of love. We create a culture, an alternative mm -hmm. that somehow extols purity, marriage, fidelity, I mean, respect for the human person. Exactly. And sometimes it means creating a subculture of life. You know, neighborhoods, yeah. towns yeah. like Steubenville or Front Royal or, you know, throughout the country, we have to really recognize that some people are going to need to come together. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, it, it's not utopia by any means, but I think what we're yeah. going to have to find is the means by which we create a subculture of life right. you know, and it, virtue. It's interesting, you know, because where, where I live outside of Philadelphia, you'll drive down the street and you'll see these signs up that say this is a drug-free zone. Oh, I think yeah. we have signs that say this is a porn-free zone. Yeah. 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 Well, there's a lot before us. So uh, when we come back, we want to kind of sum up final comments to, so the people can know, hey, what can I do now? Uh, because I'm with you with my concern about all these problems, but we've got to have action. We've got to be aggressive, so stay with us. I'm on the core team for men's ministry here at Franciscan. 
And I think it's important for men to know that sexual purity is possible and that they are lovable. They are worthy of relationship. And more importantly, they are worthy of being in relationship with the Lord. I know that what's being taught here is Catholic. And that is what I believe and it's what the church teaches. We're Christians, little Christ. We don't go around always talking about Jesus, but Jesus is always at the heart of every conversation because our relationship is built on Christ, the same way this school is built on Christ. After we've come here and gotten our formation and grown in our faith, we're called to go out and share the truth of Jesus Christ with the rest of the world. Franciscan University is academically challenging and passionately Catholic. Pornography epidemic. This is big. This is everywhere. Everyone <coughs> needs to be concerned. Someone in your family, your relationships, in your block somewhere is struggling with this. We need to know it. We need to have a wise approach to it. We need to build some defenses to it. So we have this final segment. We're going to ask our panelists to capsulize the go away or take home thoughts. Yeah, I would, just yeah, the, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, spontaneous uh, admiration for what you're doing. Thank you. It's really very impressive. Uh, Scott and I, we're lucky. We, we talk about God all the time in the classroom. I mean, that, that's pretty intoxicating. I, for me, what you're doing is, is just about the most depressing uh, thing on the face of the earth, to try to rid the world of this vile uh, uh, pollution. I mean, the, the only thing more depressing than trying to uproot it is watching it, having to traffic in that stuff, being victimized by it. And, and you get these people when the disease, the, the disorder has sort of metastasized and a cynic might say it's too late, just give up, throw in the towel, but you refuse to do so. And, and so that, that is very admirable. And I, I was struck by uh, one uh, uh, thing you said near the end of the last segment, that people take pride in living in a drug-free neighborhood. And why can't we extend that anathema to porn, which is the premier drug of choice and, and far more lethal uh, than even cigarettes or cocaine or heroin? Uh, my, my wife and I the other night watched a movie, and at the beginning, they, they had this, this pathetic creature uh, paraded uh, who had been a smoker all his life. And this was an advertisement, a gimmick, to try to get people not to smoke. Nobody is smoking anymore. I mean, even New York City is, is thinking about outlawing tobacco on sidewalks. You have to leave New York State if you want to smoke. Mm -hmm. We have completely stigmatized smoking. Exactly. Why can't we extend that same stigma uh, to taking porn? Because uh, the, the fallout from it is far worse I remember Jim Dobson doing that interview with Ted Bundy, uh, you know, the serial killer. He's about to be executed, so he doesn't have any vested interest in telling lies. And he tells him straightforwardly, it all began with porn, wow. an addiction to pornography. Well, if we could end that, then I, I think, you know, a thousand points of light would break out. Yeah, so yeah. I, I thank you, I, I really do, for mobilizing, uh, 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 trying to mobilize a culture on behalf of this basic sanity. Mm -hmm. Wow, well done, Regis. Scott? Well, I think we have to acknowledge as men that we're weak, 
that we're vulnerable, that we're wayward, you know, that, uh, that we've been wounded in the past. And so we really have to recognize that even if it's not an addiction, it's a potential problem. And so to, to act as though we're impervious to this sort of thing, I mean, go back home to your cave if that's the case. Uh, but I mean, we really have to face the fact that we are all at risk. And then the second thing we have to do, I think, is to recognize the need for conversion. And not just, you know, my conversion to the Catholic faith 31 years ago, but constant, ongoing, ever-deepening yeah. conversion. I remember a couple of years before I became a Catholic, I began praying the rosary on the last day of 1983 because 1984 was such a banner year because of Orwell's book, you know, A, a Slave State. I remember giving to the Blessed Virgin my concern about my vulnerability to pornography. I'd go to use bookstores because I love books, but I'd pass these magazines. I'm like, please, if you're half of what those Catholics say you are, do something. You're a virgin, a mother, a queen. Wow. And I tell you, within days, within weeks, within months, you know, after three months, I didn't pray it. I, I picked up the, then I remember the prayer and how much freedom I've had for three months. And I have prayed that rosary every day ever since. And again, I, I can't say, oh, I'm just free from any yeah. temptations, but I've experienced the power of the Blessed Virgin Mary in the rosary and devotion to St. Joseph as well. You know, the most chaste spouse of the Blessed Virgin. Yeah. Choose other saints like St. Saint Therese, who will show you the little way. Yeah. Spiritual reading. Mm -hmm. You know, get in touch with people who are recovering if you're really getting addicted. Mm -hmm. uh, spiritual reading isn't just spiritual. It can be conversion or testimony stories from recovering addicts themselves. You know, but I would uh, say above all, the sacrament of confession. You know, Excellent. don't act as though that is some kind of replacement for responsible decision-making. But you can't do it yourself. You're going to meet Jesus there. You're going to get the power of the Holy Spirit. Trust that the Lord can make up for what you lack, and most especially in regular confession. If you only go once a year, try once a month. If you're going once a month, maybe twice a month. But especially if you're fighting this addiction or facing that problem, I would say hold fast to Christ in that sacrament especially. Okay. Well, Peter, this is a big one. <laughs> it is a big one. And what I, and would you I want to say, yeah, pornography is a problem. It is an epidemic in America. Thousands of men are becoming addicted. Teenagers are wow. becoming addicted to this. But, you know, there is good news. Healing and recovery are possible. All right. You have to acknowledge it. You have to ask for the help. You have to seek it. No one can do it for you. You have to do it on your own. But there's a lot of help out there. There's support groups. There's counseling. And above all, you need grace. That's right. You need God to do it. Ask anybody who's ever worked the 12 steps of AA. They'll tell you, I couldn't have done it without God. Right. You need to have that. You need, like I said, you need the sacraments. Right. You need, uh, you know, daily prayer, spiritual reading, that deep connection with God. The Blessed Mother, St. Joseph. They're huge ones. I love the Holy Family. Oh, yeah. You know, using yeah. the Holy Family to bring that strength. You need that. You need to have that there. And really, when you're able to put all these pieces together, you know, support groups, accountability, counseling, God, purifying your life, purifying the home, we can do that. You know, we as men, we are charged to be the leaders, the providers, and the protectors of our homes, our families, and our society. If we're going to be real men, we have to rid our society of this. This is a cancer on our society. But just think, you know, how great it is if we all got together and worked on it together as men. This is where I get the hope, because there are men out there who are doing that. You know, there's uh, St. Joseph's Covenant Keepers, the Kingsmen. You know, there are groups out there that are doing this. 
And as we do this, we see the hope. So God can bring good out of this. And I believe he will be bringing good out of it. Well, thank you. And thank you for what you're doing. Uh, this is a big one. This is spiritual warfare. This is a battle. And I doubt that there's a family in the country that doesn't have to wage it in at least a skirmish mm -hmm. way. And others need a more all-out warfare. Um, we have just free for the asking the pornography epidemic by Dr. Peter here. And uh, we'll send you that just for contacting us. Get copies of this program. Uh, use the resources. Arm yourself. Because uh, in, in warfare, you don't just have good intentions. You actually take aggressive measures. And the accountability measures, the monitoring of the electronic system, the educating, the using of the sacraments and confession in particular, make sure that those in your family are using the means that the church gives us to fight this. I am so touched in the heart here. I'm. Uh, I identify it with the Japanese bombing Pearl Harbor and the kind of all-out warfare that was needed there uh, as we massively pulled together the resources of our country. Well, now we need the spiritual resources for this spiritual warfare. And we need to use the armaments that the church give us. And no one should be outside the battle. You should be prayer warriors for it. You ought to be finding resources for those who struggle with it. And you shouldn't play around with it yourself at all, or else you're going to be saboteurs on the side of the enemy. So, you know I'm serious. Till next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you, show his face and have mercy on you, turn his countenance to you and give you his peace. May the Lord bless you, you as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. To receive a free handout on today's topic or to purchase a video of this show, call 888-333-0381. That's 888-333-0381. Or call 740-283-6357. Email your request to presents at franciscan.edu. Or write to Franciscan University Presents, Franciscan University of Steubenville, 1235 University Boulevard, Steubenville, Ohio, 43952.